0: Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Well, I guess I should have talked to Finney ahead of time, and I could have just, you know, encouraged us all to listen to what he just said. He had a beautiful three-point message for us (laughs) starting out. So thank you, Finney. And what I love is that what I want to say to you this morning definitely has themes that are reflected in what Finney said as well. And isn't that great that God gives us multiple opportunities to hear what he is inviting us to. Well, it's again a pleasure to be here. For those of you who are here, congratulations. Maybe for some of you, this was your first time out after the snow. For those staying at home, bless you. Stay safe. That's what we need to do right now. So kind of some forced, some forced quiet and rest for a lot of us. So this morning, I want to spend some time talking about Simeon. Um, there's a lot that we can learn from him. We don't know a lot about him, but we can certainly learn a lot as we look at the words that um, Luke used to describe him and to explain what he did if we look back at the different accounts and the different stories that we've heard over the last few weeks with Advent, we see that Christ's arrival on earth wasn't necessarily recognized by those who had been trained in the scriptures, but more by those who had been trained to look, to live in the world, and to see what God was already doing, to be able to see the world through his eyes and to listen to the prompting in, his, um, in their lives that the Holy Spirit had put upon them. Simeon was a man who had lived his life in communion with God, cultivating righteousness and devotion. And as a result, he had the eyes that were trained to see God in the flesh, and he responded in worship. And so I want to read um, Luke 2, 25 to 32, as we get started here, um, if I can without my glasses. So this is where it's, we'll, we'll do our best here, won't we? So Luke two twenty-five 25 through 32 is where the story is of, um, of Simeon. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying— Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so as I read this passage in preparation for today, it did strike me for the first time that Simeon actually wasn't a priest. Um, I had always assumed from this that while well, he was at the temple, it talked about him always being at the temple, he must have been a priest, but actually he wasn't. Most, most of the commentators say that um, he was just a normal man, <laughs> But he had made it a practice to be there at the temple, as guided both by his adherence to the Jewish law, but also as he was prompted by the Spirit. So he wasn't just there on Sabbath, but he was there whenever the Spirit prompted him to be there. He was not just focused on God when he was at the temple on the Sabbath, but he was in tune with the Spirit throughout his days seeking to live in the world within earshot of God's voice. So what do we have to learn from Simeon this morning? How do we live within earshot of God's spirit so that we can recognize him in our lives and in our communities? I think we can learn from Simeon three things, of course, three things, right? That he took to heart and that we are invited as well to incorporate into our own lives. With with Simeon, we are invited to, first of all, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. We're invited to trust that God knows the plans that he has for us. And we are invited to believe that we will find God when we search for him with all our hearts. These invitations from God that Simeon had accepted carry echoes from the Old Testament scriptures that he knew. And so I want to take us back to Jeremiah and the parallels between what God said to his people while they were in exile and what God was saying to Simeon throughout his life and on that day that he met Jesus. So from Jeremiah 29, starting... And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. Then when you call upon me and come and pray, oh, I'm sorry, then there's a big gap there. Um, so anyway, let's go through and think about, like, what are some of those parallels between what God was saying to the people, his people, and what, how Simeon lived out his life? This is a beautiful passage of God speaking truth to his people through the prophet Jeremiah and at the same time assuring them of his promises and the invitation out there to be in relationship with him, which is our ultimate goal. Simeon shows us what it looks like in a different context. So the question is how are we to live in the reality of our context? And also with the promises of God that are still offered to us today. And so first of all, we are invited to dwell in the land and to cultivate faithfulness. This is actually from Psalm 37.3, but there are echoes of it in the message that God gave through Jeremiah to his people as they were in exile again where he said build houses and live with and live in them plant gardens and eat what they produce Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So here's this context. The people of God have lost their way. And most of them have been taken captive and carted off to Babylon. Jeremiah was one who remained in Jerusalem. And so in chapter 29, he is writing from Jerusalem to those who are not there, to those who are in exile. And he's speaking truth as only a true prophet of God does. The exiles, of course, are anxious to return to their homeland. But they have been, and so they've been listening to prophets that will tell them what they want to hear, listening through the filter of their desires, their fears, their disappointments, their regrets. I was able to experience this this last week. I found myself listening to reality through my own filters of disappointment and fear and regret. It started the day before Christmas Eve when my daughter from Eugene, the mother of my granddaughter, um, texted us to give us a heads up to let us know that they may not be coming for Christmas because of the weather. And so I didn't like that idea at all. I was going to have all my kids around me and that was my dream, that was my hope, that was my plan. So I lived in this place of denial for 18 hours, thinking, well, we'll get them here, and then they'll get stuck here, and then I'll have more time with them. Didn't happen. So finally, I got the text saying they indeed were not coming, and of course it was devastating not to see them. And so I postponed my acceptance of reality as long as I could. And then my sister, who lives in Newburgh, Oregon, She was supposed to come up Christmas afternoon and we were really looking forward to, I was looking forward to having several days with her as well. And she texted to say that her son had tested positive for COVID. And so she wasn't feeling really great. And what should she do? Well, My big sister sent her to me (laughs) to make the decision on whether or not Jill should come. And once again, I was torn between wanting to hold on to my hopes that all my sisters were going to be around me and accepting the reality that she really needed to stay put. So there were those filters that, oh, I wanted to see life through, that life was going to be okay, no disappointments, nothing to fear, and yet I had to remove those. We've all experienced those times when the disappointment of reality causes us to want to deny it and to dig for something that will tell us what we want to hear. And that's where the, that's where the God's people who are in exile wanted to do. They desired to be done with what they were doing sooner rather than later. But the reality of Jeremiah's words had to sink in as he exhorted them to settle into Babylon, enough to plant gardens and have children who would then have children. God desired to do meaningful work in them and through them in exile, even in this place that was not home. And it was only when they were able to acknowledge and let go of the plans that they had tied to what their own desires and fears and regrets were, once they let go of those, then they could hear what God had for them. They were directed by God to dwell in the land and in the midst of it continue to cultivate a faithfulness to Him. And this is our invitation today to live in and to invest in the community around us, seeking its well-being while at the same time cultivating our faithfulness to God in a way that we flourish even in the midst of a place that feels like exile for many of us. And so how can we do this? Well, let's go and hear how Simeon is an example for us. So Simeon was living in Jerusalem. At that time, it was under Roman rule, and there was kind of a symbiotic relationship between the religious leaders in the temple and the government that had been set up by Rome. Jews were allowed to practice their faith in the temple as long as it stayed under the radar and did not disrupt the Roman peace. And so no doubt the religious leaders were curating the activities that were going on in and around the temple to ensure that they did not disrupt or disturb or displease the local government authorities. The Jews were in many ways living in exile, even though they were back in Jerusalem. And they were seeking to live out their faith and obedience to the infinite king, under the rule of a wicked and finite, small-case king. Maybe for some, they found that it was easier to understand their circumstances under Roman rule by filtering it through the lenses of pessimism or resignation or a desire to keep the peace. They sacrificed the power and the authority of God for the security of their surroundings. Simeon lived in this context. Just as the people of God in exile waited a long time to return to Jerusalem, so Simeon had been waiting a long time to see God's promise of the Messiah fulfilled. But there was something else going on under the radar in Simeon's life that allowed him to hear from and be led by the invisible, all-powerful Spirit. Luke describes Simeon as righteous and devout, righteous being observing divine laws and in a wider sense, upright, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. He was also described as devout, taking hold well of what he heard, cautiously, carefully listening. Surely what he knew and heard of God and then living it out, living within earshot of the Spirit. So we see in Simeon an uprightness mixed with wisdom and understanding. He engaged not just the mind and the actions, but his heart and soul. Now the word devout, we get the word devotions from that. It suggests that our time of devotions isn't just an act of obedience or a display of our righteousness, but it's a means of taking on the character of God and the perspective of God so that we are in tune with the Spirit and ready to respond to His prompting in whatever context we find ourselves if we look at that word, who else is described as devout? Joseph of Arimathea was devout, according to the, the authors of the Gospels. And he boldly went and he asked for Jesus' body after he was crucified. Christ's followers who were described as devout went and got Stephen's body and buried him after he had been stoned. So the one who is righteous makes it their intention to live according to the law of God, and the one who is devout makes it their intention to listen to and respond to the voice of God. So it was the combination of Simeon's righteousness and devotion that God used to guide him to the temple that day. We don't know what Simeon did as he dwelt in the land, but we know that he was faithful in his daily life to God and waiting in expectation for the consolation of Israel that had been promised. And that is our invitation today, to dwell in the land, fulfilling the divine law of God, which is to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as we love ourselves. And to live also in a way that we are poised and open to hearing God's voice and responding. And so secondly, we are invited to trust that God knows the plans that he has for us. This again echoes back to the prophet Jeremiah in in chapter 29, where God says to his people, For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. So I've used this verse throughout my life (laughs) and over and over times when I needed encouragement and I needed my hope renewed. And perhaps you have as well when things have been murky or you found, found yourself discouraged and lost and bewildered. And we have to remember that even though we can take these words personally and incorporate, incorporate them into our lives and find courage in them, God actually spoke these to a group of people, to his people, Assuring them together that he knew the plans that he had for them and that they were part, they were plans for flourishing and safety. They were hopeful and future oriented. Simeon had heard this promise from Jeremiah and not only heard it, but he believed it. God had told him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah, the Holy One, that would come and bring heaven with him. We don't know how long Simeon had waited for this promise to be fulfilled or how young he was when he first heard God's assuring words of hope. But throughout his life, in spite of the discouraging and devastating things that were happening around him, he held on to God's promises and lived faithfully in anticipation. And because he trusted God and stayed close to Him, he was able to recognize the Messiah— not because he came riding in on a white horse and drawing attention to himself, but, be, but he came as a baby, helpless, vulnerable, and meek. So where are we in our confidence in God's promises to us? As a church community, how are we looking for the fulfillment of God's promises in ways that will allow us to see him in unexpected places? I see God show up here. I see God show up in the stories that I hear about people caring without fanfare, but in secret, caring for others. I see God show up in conversations about difficult topics when compassion and empathy rules over being right. And I see God show up when someone stops to help another, even when it's inconvenient or awkward or difficult. When I see this, I know that we as a community are living into our prayer that we pray every week, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our living in the present reflects our trust in God for the future. And so, to review, we are invited to dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. We are invited to trust that God controls our future. And finally, we are invited to believe that we will find God when we search for him with all our, heart, our hearts. What is the ultimate desire of God for his people in exile? that he would be found by them. It continues in Jeremiah. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. Simeon found the Messiah because he devoted himself to looking for him. Because he was in tune with the Spirit, he heard the Spirit say, Go to the temple. And because he was in tune with the Spirit, he was able to see this sweet baby, only a week old, and recognize him as the King of Kings, the one who would restore God's people. And because he was in tune with the Spirit, he could take the child into his arms and praise God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He held in his arms the one that God had promised, that he had hoped for, the Messiah, the Savior, and humble King, not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. Simeon's righteousness and devoutness opened his eyes to see that this child, this baby, was ushering in a kingdom in which all who desire to follow him are invited to participate. And he was ready to die a fulfilled man, not because he saw the end of the story, but because he entrusted this story to God, believing that it was actually God's story, one that he was merely a participant in. We are reminded through Scripture that people have waited for things that haven't been fulfilled in their lifetime. The author of Hebrews reminds us in chapter 11 of the many witnesses that have gone before us who strained in faith, toward promises that weren't fulfilled in their lifetimes. And yet they trusted and remained full of faith. And God's promise of his presence was within reach always. And it is in reach for us as well. And that is God's ultimate desire for us, that we find him in Christ and in his Holy Spirit. So what are you yearning for this next year? Are you catching glimpses of something that God has promised that isn't quite within reach? Like Simeon, you see the birth of the promise fulfilled, but you realize that you will not see the completion of it. What God invites us to in the liminal space between the now and the not yet is righteousness and devotion. To make it our intention to live according to the law of God, the law of love, and to make it our intention to listen and to respond to the voice of God. We are invited to take off the lenses of fear and regret and disappointment so that we can see more clearly how God is at work in, through, and among us causing us to flourish in unexpected places and unexpected ways. And so these are the invitations that God has extended to us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your work in every corner of the world. We claim the promise that, bidden or unbidden, you are present, and we thank you. Help us this year to see with unfiltered eyes where you are inviting us to participate in your story. Help us to hear your voice and respond in delight. And help us to seek you with our whole heart. In Jesus' name, amen.